Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we begin our new sermon series entitled Wound Management. What is one thing a church and a hospital have in common? Both are in the business of wound management. Join us now for the message, The Wound of Grief. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. I'm Jane Grainer and I'm the senior pastor. And I'm Wesley McCall and I'm the music director. And we would like to welcome all of you to worship today, both those of you that are here in person and those of you who are at home worshiping with us over Facebook. Today is All Saints Sunday. We'll be commemorating uh, all of the saints who have passed away in this last year. It is also Communion Sunday. So I would like to invite those who are at home to make sure that they have their elements ready to go when we have communion later on in the service by having your bread and either your grape juice or wine ready for us to be able to celebrate the sacrament together. Because it's communion Sunday, we do have a new rail offering for the month of November. Our rail offering for November is going to go to relief for the country of Haiti. They've been through a lot this last year. And so through the United Methodist Committee on Relief, we will be sending uh, these funds on to Haiti so they can do the various ministries that the Methodist Church does there. We are still, I think, accepting child-sized cloth masks. I'm assuming, put those in the biz box. We have our three uh, connection groups that meet, two on Sunday morning, our UM Disciplines class, and our lift class, which is right now looking at a variety of videos. And then we have on Wednesday evenings, our pastor's Bible study. And we just started the book of Exodus. So if you, think, if you have thought about joining in, this is a good time because we've just started a new book. Okay, please stand for our call to worship, which is responsive. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be an affliction. And they're going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. Grace and mercy are upon the elect, and God watches over the holy ones. Now please join us in the singing of For All the Saints. We will do four verses, one, four, five, and six. Go for it.
please join me in our opening prayer. We bless your holy name, O God, for all your servants who have finished their course now rest from their labors. Grant us grace to follow the example of their steadfastness and faithfulness to your honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. And even though many of us are in the same space this morning, not all of us, so even though we cannot be together in the same place, we are together in the same time. So my prayer for you is peace be with you. And also with you. For our prayer for illumination, please be seated. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. We have two scripture readings this morning. Let me pull them up. The first comes from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he who loves you is ill. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. When he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, 
and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Our next reading comes from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of God for the people of God. Jewish rabbis are funny. Now, at the risk of reinforcing a stereotype, I think there is something that you can see now why there are so many uh, Jewish people that become stand-up comics. So I guess in the face of religious discrimination and anti-Semitism, you have to develop a sense of humor to deal with it. In fact, I think that's true of all marginalized groups. Well, last spring, we explored the world's religions in our sermon series, The Warmth of Other Sons. And of course, this sermon series included the religion of Judaism. Judaism and Christianity, we, we share a, a history and a relationship that is actually unique among the world religions. Now, in many ways, Buddhism did come out of Hinduism, but they still do not share this really close sibling relationship that describes the relationship between Judaism and Christianity. Now, Judaism is a fascinating subject just in its own right. But understanding Judaism is also essential if you're gonna fully understand Christianity. So last August, when I read in the Denton paper that the rabbi at the local synagogue was going to offer a free introduction to Judaism class, I immediately went to the website and I signed up. And I must say that learning about the similarities and differences between Judaism and Christianity has been fascinating and illuminating. And for me as a Christian pastor, what I found uh, especially interesting is learning what it's like to be a rabbi. Now again, there are similarities and differences between being a Christian pastor and a, and a Jewish rabbi. One difference is that the Jewish ordination process works differently than that of most churches. In the church, depending on which denomination you're part of, it's either the local congregation or a regional minister or bishop who, who has the authority to ordain you. And just as an aside, the United Methodist Church has one of the longest and most complex ordination processes of any denomination and maybe the most complex of all the major denominations. Uh, it's why we're so crazy by the end of the process. In Judaism, however, it's the seminary that has the authority to ordain. So consequently, just to get into seminary, you have to go through this long process of stringent interviews just to be accepted into the seminary. Um, in the Methodist Church, ordination process can be quite arduous, but actually getting into seminary is not that difficult. But our class instructor, Rabbi Jeff, told us the story of his very first interview as part of the ordination process of the seminary in which he hoped to be accepted. Now he was seeking to become a rabbi as a second career. For the previous 20 years, Jeff had worked as a registered nurse. Perhaps not at first the most obvious 
of vocational transitions. As you can imagine, that very first ordination interview, and this is true whether you're trying to be a pastor or a rabbi, but it is, it is nerve wracking. You have to dress up in your Sunday best, or if it's a Jewish seminary, your Sabbath best. But underneath that Sabbath best, you're sweaty and nervous and you're desperate to make a good impression because your entire life's future depends upon what this relatively small group of people thinks about you after the end of an hour of talking to you. Very nerve wracking. Well, Rabbi Jeff walked in that first interview and he took his seat. And the very first question they ask is, you spent the last 20 years as a registered nurse, but now you seek to become a rabbi. These can be very different professions. So how do you think being a nurse has prepared you for becoming a rabbi? And he thought for a moment and he replied, I think the most significant similarity between being a nurse and being a rabbi is that in both professions, you spend a lot of time cleaning up other people's crap. <laughs> the room there in the interview room exploded in laughter. And I just gave you, by the way, the cleaned up version of what he actually said. Jeff was later told by a member of the ordination committee that as soon as he had said that, he was in. Uh, when, when Rabbi Jeff told us the story, I thought it was hilarious. And I immediately thought that you can say the exact same thing about nurses and Christian pastors. Now, of course, that's not true of Trinity. Because we've all been way too busy cleaning up the messes left by burglars and burst pipes. Well, I was recently talking uh, to a nurse who specializes in wound management. And it got me to thinking, that's another thing that nurses and pastors have in common. We spend a lot of time doing wound management. The nurse tending to physical wounds and pastors tending to spiritual and emotional wounds. But the metaphor of physical wounds has played a very important role in the Christian understanding of atonement. Or in other words, the meaning of Christ's death as it relates to our salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Now consider these words from the prophet Isaiah. They'll probably be familiar to, to you. It comes from one of the passages referred to as the servant songs. And these songs are often read during the season of Lent. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and by his stripes we are healed. Now one of the paradoxes of Christianity is this idea that the wounds themselves are healing. Now, we may be thinking that we're very grateful for the healing that comes about because of the wounds of Christ. But when it comes to our own wounds, well, they, they just hurt. Every year, the first Sunday of November is designated All Saints Sunday. It is the day we remember all of those who have passed away that is all of those of us who have gone before into the full communion with God. And we always especially remember those who have passed away just in the last year since the last All Saints Sunday. And because of this, it can become a day that we, we associate with grief. And I think grief is perhaps the most painful of wounds that we ever have to endure. 
as a younger person from time to time, I would try to imagine what it was like to be older, to try to imagine how maybe spending more time on this earth may have shaped my beliefs and my attitudes and actions. But I tell you one thing that I, about being older that I never anticipated when I was younger is that the longer you live, the more you live your life in tandem with grief. Now that doesn't mean you're always in an acute state of grief. It just means that as you get older, your losses accumulate. And so you have to learn to live with this low level, sometimes a very low level, but yet near constant state of grief. Consider this, just think about this. Think about your biggest losses, those losses that really shattered your heart. Does even one day go by when you don't think of that person, at least once during the day? What we find is, is that even years later, long after the acute pain of grief has passed and, and we've gained a sense of equilibrium because we've now taken into account the absence of our loved one, yet it still happens every once in a while that that veneer cracks and that old grief rises unbidden and we are just left gasping and wondering how a hurt so long ago could still have such power to break our hearts. As one writer put it, grief I've learned is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot. All that unspent love, it gathers up in the corners of your eyes, in the lump of the throat, you know, that hollow part of the chest Grief is just love with no place to go. The theologian Karl Rahner wrote, a strange thing happens to a man who really loves. <laughs> there was a grasshopper on my hand. Let me start this over. The theologian Karl Rahner wrote, a strange thing happens to the man who really loves. For even before his own death, his life becomes a life with the dead. You see, a life of love is going to inevitably lead to a life of grief. Because as the saying goes, grief is the price we pay for love. And the only way that we're going to avoid grief is just to never love anybody or anything. And that's not a life that I don't think any of us would want. We as Christians though, we do have the advantage of faith. And our faith helps us make sense of our losses. I love what the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us is that in Jesus Christ, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Now in the story of the raising of Lazarus that, that Wesley read for us a moment ago in the Gospel of John, we witness what I think is perhaps the most detailed scene of loss and grief that we find in the Bible. We need to remember sometimes that the people in the Bible, they were real people and they had the same emotions that we have. Now the cultural values may be different, sometimes vastly different, but the, but the feelings, those are the exact same. And most of us are familiar with the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And in our scripture passage from John, I think we very clearly see two of these stages on display we see both anger and bargaining. Because both of those sisters, both Mary and Martha, they're angry with Jesus. The first thing Martha says when she sees Jesus is, 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then five minutes later, Mary comes and she says the exact same thing to him. These sisters are very angry with Jesus. But Martha then goes right into bargaining mode. She says, but even now, I know that God will forgive you, or, excuse me, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And it's part of this exchange where Jesus utters his very famous line, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. But even faith cannot quench all of our grief. Even Jesus began to weep. And so when we see him weeping in the story, it underscores the fact that we do indeed have a high priest who can sympathize with all of the emotions that we have experienced and has taken on that complexity and has lived through it with us. And I think furthermore, our faith supplies us with a way to commune with our loved ones while we are still on this side of the chasm because we have the sacrament of Holy Communion. Now we Methodists believe that Holy Communion is more than just a memorial meal. It's more than just being uh, symbolic of Christ's death. We believe that it is nothing less than a means of receiving God's grace. We believe in what's called the real presence of Christ in the sacrament, that in communion, the Spirit of Christ is present to us in a way that transcends our everyday experience. Some of you I know already know this, but the ancient Celts believed that there were places on earth that were sacred, places where that membrane between heaven and earth is stretched thin and becomes permeable. And they called these places the thin places. Sacrament is a thin place. When we participate in Holy Communion, the Holy Spirit is reaching out to us through this thin place, allowing us to participate in the life of God. And when we, when we participate in the life of God, we participate with all of those who are already in the direct and real presence of our very sympathetic High Priest, Jesus Christ. You are never closer to your loved ones who have gone before than when you participate in Holy Communion. And it's also known, of course, as the Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving. And that includes even those who are having the sacrament with us at home. The religious scholar and publisher Phyllis Tickle referred to Holy Communion when she said, the Eucharist is the ultimate near-death experience. That's why it is entirely appropriate that we celebrate Holy Communion on All Saints Sunday. Because when we partake of the elements, we're communing with the living and the dead and the yet to be born. We're communing with all the saints of all the times, all of us together. We grieve, but as Paul reminds us, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We have hope in the one who is the resurrection and the life. Now our faith, as we all know, does not prevent the sorrows of grief, but I do think it gives us a very potent medicine for wound management so that our griefs do not overwhelm us. For indeed, as Wesley read from the book of Hebrews, we are indeed surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and the life and the resurrection. 
and he's waiting for us there at the end of the finish line as we can keep then our eyes fixed on him. And as we cross the finish line of our race, we'll be able to collapse into the arms of all those who have gone before, the arms of all the saints that we have loved. And then we get to turn around, now refreshed and renewed, and we get to cheer on then the next generation. And how sweet is that? Amen. Let us pray. After this I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. So let us give thanks for these brothers and sisters in Christ, to whom God has granted rest from their labors. Now here, as we read each name, and these names consists of members of our congregation who have passed away since the last All Saints Sunday, as well as family members uh, of those who are part of our congregation as well. And with the reading of each name, we will light a candle and then place a flower into the vase. Ginger Bieber. Harold Boswell. Jean Burson. Lou Clapp. Douglas Gardner. Janet Hoyerson. Peggy Owens. Jan Ritchie. Clay. Sumrall, Chandra Thompson, and Marion Whitehead. Almighty God, we give you thanks for these, your servants, who we remember today. Grant us grace to follow them as they followed Christ. Bring us with them to those things no eye has seen, nor ear heard, which you have prepared for those who love you. Give us faith to look beyond touch and sight, and seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, enable us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of, our, finisher of our faith. Bring us at last to your eternal peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please rise.
Please be seated. Christ our Lord invites and welcomes all people throughout the earth to the table of God. If you are ready to accept Christ's invitation, if you love God, if you repent of your sin, and if you intend to live in peace with all, then let us confess our sin before God and one another. Please join me in our prayer of confession. God of our mothers and fathers, in your mercy and grace, you offer us the life-transforming privilege of becoming your children. While we grow in likeness with Christ, we humbly ask your forgiveness for the times we have strayed from the path you have set before us, for the times you have neglected the poor, failed to offer comfort, taken advantage of the meek, failed to show mercy, derided the pure in heart, sought conflict instead of peace, and persecuted the righteous. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And now let us all confess our own sins in silence. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, God of Miriam and Moses, God of Joshua and Deborah, God of Ruth and David, God of the priests and prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, God of the apostles and martyrs, God of our mothers and fathers, God of our children to all generations, and so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, and he gave thanks to you. And he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup gave his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Holier and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. Uh, and so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, 
Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew your communion with all the saints, especially those whom we name in our hearts. And since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, by your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one with ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now, because there is the one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So this bread in which we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And this cup over which we give thanks, is it not a sharing then in the blood of Christ? set all are invited to partake come through this you'll get your hands sanitized by Jenna and then you will protect the elements from Wesley and I
now come to the part of our service where we lift up our joys and concerns to the Lord. There they are. Now, when I lift up a concern, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you please respond, hear our prayer. If I lift up a joy, I will say, this is the work of the Lord, and you please respond, thanks be to God. I think we want to be praying for all those that were affected by that awful accident at the concert in Houston, uh, where I think eight people were killed in a stampede. Um, so we want to keep uh, those people that were there uh, in our prayers, as well as the families of those who died. So Lord, in your mercy. I want to continue to be praying for those 14 missionaries in Haiti uh, that still have not been released. So Lord, in your mercy. We want to pray for our building to get done. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. But I do want to add then, I, I, I like to also then add a prayer, a blessing for the workers and the contractor um, that they can do the work and remain injury and illness free. So specifically for the workers who are struggling now to get this done, Lord, in your mercy. I also wanted to say a special uh, prayer uh, we have Veterans Day uh, we, uh, sometime during the week. I think it's Thursday. Thank you. And so I wanted to say a prayer for our veterans. But also Thursday, we, before it was called Veterans Day, it was Armistice Day, which marked the end of World War One. You know, the war to end all wars. Um, so this is a prayer of gratitude for our veterans, but also a prayer for peace. God of peace. We pray for those who have served our nation and have laid down their lives to protect and defend our freedom. We pray for those who have fought, whose spirits and bodies are scarred by war, whose nights are haunted by memories too painful for the light of day. We pray for those who serve us now, especially for those in harm's way. Shield them from danger and bring them home. Turn the hearts and minds of our leaders and our enemies to the work of justice and a harvest of peace. Spare the poor, Lord, spare the poor. May the peace you left us, the peace you gave us, be the peace that sustains, the peace that saves us. Christ Jesus, hear, hear us. Lord Jesus, hear our prayer. Um, oh, oh, uh, the Willis's, Willis's friend Max is still critical, but he is stable. He will be on life support for two or three more days, but a thanksgiving that he's alive and also a prayer for healing. So, um, so is, is, is the one we're praying for Willis or Max? Will's friend uh, Max. So for Max and all of his friends and family, Lord in your mercy. Um, Jan wants us to pray for her cousin Sandra Cook who had a bad fall and bruised her ribs. So uh, for Sandra, Lord in our mercy. Uh, thanksgiving for the young man who helped her, uh, came out of nowhere and helped her up. And, her up. <laughs> and uh, so there was nothing broken and no brain damage. Well that's good to know Jan. Um, uh, 
and um, she has asthma as sole caretaker for her husband. So, um, Lord in your mercy. Uh, continued prayers for the Reed family. They are going through a valley. Uh, um, and also for Diane and Lee Burke, who tested positive for COVID. So for the Reed family and for Diane and Lee and all those who are still being affected by COVID, Lord in your mercy. Uh, and finally, we have a request from Nancy Noyes, an injury to her knee when she fell in a puddle of water at Walmart. So Nancy, we hope you feel better and get better soon. And Lord in your mercy. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and join us in singing our final hymn, all three verses of the hymn of promise. you that you can always find a recording of our service on our website tumcd.org on our Facebook page or as part of our church podcast Jane's most excellent church adventure and again thanks to all of those who have been joining us from home it's been wonderful to have people both online and in person and so now receive this benediction May the God of both the living and the dead bless you and keep you until the day when you find your eternal home before the throne of the Lamb. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love your neighbor and go in peace.
We hope you enjoyed it. We're blessed by today's service. Join us next Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next week, we'll continue our sermon series, Wound Management. If you can't join us live, you can always listen to the recording of our service. You'll find that on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.